0: Encouragement is something you do. It's an action you take, an impartation or gift that you give to someone. This message is the fourth in the series, Energized and Encouraged. The message is entitled, How to Be an Encourager, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. All of us here have an impact upon other people. You have an effect upon people around you. By your words, by your actions, by your engagement or lack thereof, by your personality, just by who you are, you are impacting other people in some way. And last weekend, I drew a little diagram on the board that I'm going to give to you again this week, and it'll help you to perhaps see, get a perspective on what we're talking about in this part of the series. Think of this as a continuum. On the far hand left, far left hand side of this continuum are people who... I would categorize as the discouragers. These are the folks that you know when they're coming around you go the opposite direction because these are the folks that tend to drain you, that they tend to come along and sort of take their pen and poke the hole in your balloon, let all your air out. They're not very encouraging, they actually are discouraging. They do things that actually bring your life down. On the other side of this continuum, the far right hand side of the would be the encouragers. These are the folks that you just love being around. Every time you're around them, it seems as though you feel a little bit better, that something is drawn out of you that perhaps was not drawn out before. Something sort of makes you feel stronger, more courageous. There's an impartation that happens to you through an encourager. And right in the middle are the people that we might categorize in what I would call the neutral category. And the neutral category are those that primarily are self-absorbed. It's not that they don't really care about other people. It's not even that they're actively taking other people down, nor are they actively building others up. They're really focused on themselves. They've got so many issues going on in their own life that they're not really taking much time to do much for anyone else. Again, not taking anyone down, not building anyone else up. It's just a neutral impact. So I would ask you just to begin with, where would you place yourself Most of the time in your relationships with other people, what category would you be in? Would you be one of those discouraging people that tends to bring people down? Are you high on the encouragement scale? Are you living right here in the middle in the neutral category because of being self-absorbed just with the issues that you have going on in your life? Where are you on this scale? Now, when you become a discourager, discouragers do certain things. There are certain actions that they take or fail to take. They have habit patterns that, they, that actually are discouraging. The way they interact with you. Just the words that they use. The way that they say things. Just their, their actions bring you down. And then on the other side of this continuum... People who are encouragers take certain actions also, and they they develop certain, here's the key word for this weekend, they develop certain skills that allow them to be encouragers. So you're not just born an encourager. Some people may be more positive in their personality than other people are in terms of just their basic personality line, but you can develop into an encourager. In fact, God's will for your life is to move you in the direction of being an encourager. If you want a scripture reference for this weekend, I'm not going to take the time to read it for you, but I will give you this reference to go back this week and read on your own. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as the love chapter. It's all about how to love other people, and part of loving other people involves encouraging them, and you'll see that a number of those characteristics associated with the love of God are designed to actually pour in to other people, to move out beyond yourself, and certainly not to be a discourager, but to be an encourager, love is patient, love is kind, love is not, not easily offended, we could go through all the different categories of what love is based upon the perspective of God's love, so read that passage this week, but what I want to do today is I want to talk to you with using that backdrop of what the love of God is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want to talk to you about the skills that you can develop To become more of an encourager. How many of you would say in your life, I want to get further in this direction, amen, okay? Because our world needs encouragers, right? Would you agree with me? And God has called you to be an encourager. We talked about that last weekend. You're called by God to encourage other people and to be an encourager. So, So how do you do that? So I told you that this weekend I'm going to give you 15 skills, 15 things. If you'll work on these 15 things, this will be a checklist for you. And some of you are already freaking out because you say, 15, how long are we going to be here? Okay, just, it's, it's okay. I promise I'll have you out by 3 o'clock this afternoon. No problem, okay? Now, we'll get through it very quickly. So it's not going to be, a, it's, I'm not going to take a long time on each of these. But this is like a checklist that I want to give you in your relationships. It'll help you to think about, am I living in the love of God? Am I truly being someone who encourages other people? Are you ready for it? So get your pens ready and let's kind of move through these very rapidly, but hopefully effectively today. Number one, the first thing you have to do if you're going to be an effective encourager, you have to learn to point people heavenward, to point people toward God. See, people don't need you in their life, they need God in their life. Because you're not going to always be around for them. You can't always be there for people. And so what you need to do in your interactions with people is to always point them to God. Now, by pointing them to God, I don't mean that you come into the world of a discouraged person and preach them a message. How many of you had people preach at you before? Nobody needs anyone to preach at them. But what they do need is someone to come along and to remind them of the promises of God, to remind them of the faithfulness of God, and to do this primarily through something called a testimony. Would you say that word with me? A testimony. What is a testimony? A testimony is a reflection back on what God has done in your life that was very real to you. And out of that real experience of what God did for you, you can share in a natural way with someone else that God did this for me. And if God did it for me, he will do it for you because God is no respecter of persons. I think all of us could say, in fact, let's just do a little uh, inventory here for a moment and find out in this room. And all the different campuses, how many would say that at some point in time, you're going through a tough time and God got you through? Raise your hand right now, okay? God got you through. You look back. That's a testimony. Don't forget those moments. Because there'll be times that God will bring you alongside somebody else that needs to be encouraged. And what you went through will be the very thing they will need to hear. God is amazing how he does that. That the very thing that you went through in your life, God pairs you up with people who are discouraged right now where you were Years ago or months ago, and God will bring you right beside them because you'll have exactly the story that they will need to hear that will bring encouragement to their life. But you've got to share it, and so you point people away from you toward God. Amen? Don't ever try to build people's dependency upon you, okay? Build people's dependency upon God, all right? Number two, the second thing vital you're going to be an encourager, you have to choose your words wisely. I think all of us recognize this principle. I want to talk briefly about it for a moment. Choosing your words wisely means that you actually think before you speak, that you're engaging with people around you and you're careful about your words. You're wise with your words because the Bible says that wise words are healing to people. Foolish words tear people down, but wise words are healing and restorative to people. And so you need to choose your words wisely. Proverbs 18 tells us that there is life and death in the power of your tongue. And so think of it this way. Every time you speak in a a relationship, you're either giving life or dealing death. That the words that come out are either infusing the environment with something that is restorative and life-giving or death-blowing. So many of us, without really thinking about it, can very naturally fall into the category speaking negative things to people around us. And psychologists have told us, and those that study such things as communication patterns and the psychology behind communication and what it does with people will tell you this, that for every one negative word or negative statement that you speak to a person, you need about five positive statements just to offset the one negative. They've done research project in this regard that there are five positive statements for every one negative statement. That's not to take you ahead. that's just to get you back on level ground again. So as you go through a day, if you make 10 negative statements to your spouse, or 10 negative statements to your, your coworker, or 10 negative statements to your child, or 10 negative statements to someone in your world, how many positive statements do you have to make to that person just to get on level ground? You've got to make 50. Positive statements. How many you know you're a lot better not to get into the negative to begin with, all right? Because when you get into the negative, you're already behind. You're already in arrears as soon as you start going into the negative. And so we choose our words wisely because when you speak, you're imparting either life or you're imparting death. And if you and I can remember that and remember the power of the tongue, it makes a huge difference. Number three, the third thing that is important for becoming an encourager is to learn to praise people. Praise them sincerely and praise them abundantly. Praise is important. Let me, go, let me sort of uh, piggyback on what I just said about negative words versus positive words. Let me give you an illustration here. Let's say at work you were asked to do a presentation at work and you've got all your colleagues that are there and your supervisors are there and you've got to give this presentation. You worked hard on it for several weeks and you get up and you give the presentation and after it's over with, 10 of your colleagues come up to talk to you about your presentation and nine of them say to you, that was awesome, that was amazing, that was an incredible presentation, you did such a great job. But what if one person said, that was the worst, worst presentation I've ever heard in my whole life. It stunk. It was horrible. When you went home that evening, which of those would you be thinking about? Most likely, you would shove all nine of those positive statements completely out the door, and which one would you remember? What would keep you awake that night, probably? The one negative that was made. Are you with me here? Okay. Praise is powerful. Okay. Giving praise to people is important because it helps offset the negative events that happen in our life. And all of us experience all kinds of negative things on an ongoing basis. And so you need to not only be praising God, you need to be praising people. Someone said, well, are you sure that's in the Bible? Absolutely. The Bible is over and over, talks about, you see the example of the Apostle Paul commending people who had been helpful to him in his ministry, praising people, if you will, who had come alongside of him and been assistance to him. And so it's, it's valuable for us to praise people. Some, some folks say, well, I don't want to give too much praise to people because I, I might cause them to fall into pride. Well, there are a few jerks that that might happen to, Okay. But generally speaking, most people are running such a deficit in their soul that they could get an abundance of praise and it would just simply start making up for the deficit that's already inside of them. So never be afraid to give praise to people. Be abundant in your praise, but also be sincere. Don't flatter people, okay? You know what flattery is? Flattery is just saying something nice even if you don't mean it, okay? But genuine praise is specific. It's directed towards something you've observed in the character of another person or the performance of another person. It's not just flattery. And it's also sincere in the sense it's not a whole bunch of superlatives. You know, if everybody's awesome, nobody's awesome. Right? If everybody's your BFF, nobody's your BFF. Right? If everybody is the most amazing person in the world, nobody is. Because what we do is, we in our world that we tend to use all these superlatives. You are the best, well, and then you say to the next person, you are the best. Next person, you are the best, and nobody's the best. Because you've used that word without any real meaning and so you need to think about the words that you use and put value into those words and to praise people sincerely and to praise people abundantly. Some of you could have a turnaround in your marriage if you could just simply start praising your spouse. Some of you would have a turnaround in a relationship with a child if you'd learn how to begin to speak some praise into that child's life because sometimes all they're hearing from you would be the negatives, the things they're doing wrong, but you need to be reminded of how can I tell them? them what they're doing right catch people doing things right and praise them for it okay that encourages people all right number four the fourth thing very similar to the third but has its own unique dimension to it thank people regularly how do you become an encourager you have to learn to thank people now I'm going to show you something about thanking people okay find me a spot here okay to thank before you thank someone you've got to do something else You have to think before you think. You'll never think without thinking. Because thanks is related to a thought that I've had about something that's been done. And so now as I've reflected upon that, I can now express my appreciation, not just my praise. Praise is directed to an act that has been done or a a character trait that I observe or something that's been done well. That's associated with praise. But thanks is a, I thought about this and the benefit it's brought to my life. And I just want to, because I thought about it, I just want to tell you thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for being available to me. Thank you for that meal you prepared for me. Thank you for the assistance you gave me. It's finding ways to thank people. Does that make a difference? Absolutely. Because when you thank people on a regular basis, it encourages them. How do you know that you get encouraged when someone says thank you to you? One of the sad things about our culture today, I think, and this is going to date me a little bit, but that's okay. There were I was taught when I went to school, early in my school, school career, first, second grade, I, that there are two magic statements. Anybody remember what they are? Please, Anne. How seldom do we even hear in our world today, please, and how seldom do we hear thank you. That needs to be different in the mouths of believers, amen? We need to be people that use words like please and thank you because that is the oil that lubricates relationships and builds up encouragement in people's lives. So we praise people abundantly and specifically and sincerely and we thank people regularly. And then number five, to be a good encourager to other people, you have to listen to people purposefully. Listening is an amazing ministry. A lot of people talk about being in ministry. Some folks talk about, I want to be in the ministry. You you kind of engage them a bit. And many people have the idea of ministry as being something that is vocal, verbal, that you're only in the ministry if you preach, okay? If I stand up here on a platform and teach God's Word or preach God's Word, that's what it means to be in the ministry. No, let me tell you something. Being in the ministry can be using your two ears with another person. As surely as there are speaking ministries, there are also listening ministries, and God has called every one of us to learn how to be effective listeners, and an effective listener is someone that that actually actively engages in the listening process. It's not just, I'm hearing you while I'm thinking about what I want to say to you. That's not active listening. Active listening is really engaging with a person and letting them share their story and share their pain and not get caught up in the pain they're sharing, but to be there with them in the process, to feel the empathy and associate with them is that listening process. And I've discovered in my life that many times when I've been discouraged and if I could just find someone that would sit down with me for a few moments and we could, we could talk and they would listen, sometimes I solved my own problems just by having someone to listen. Amen. Sometimes I came out of it and got right where I needed to be because there was a, a good listener there as a listening ministry. It's interesting that when God made you and me, he gave you one mouth and two ears. You know that God could have given you one ear? He could have put a big old ear right there. One mouth, one ear. But God said, no, I want to give my humanity, I want to give them a lesson through their physiology. And the lesson that I want to give them, and it's a lesson that they would do well to pay attention to, is the fact that I gave them two ears, which means that you can pick up on the, not just what you're looking at eye-wise, but you can pick up on the periphery of the world around you if you'll listen. You can take in the information that can help not only you, but help people around you. How? How good of a job do you do at listening? Are you a good listener? Because I will tell you, if you will develop good listening skills, you will become a person that is moving in the direction of showing the love of God by being an encourager, right? Number six, guide other people carefully. I'll give you a moment to write that down let me explain what I mean by that. To be an encourager, it means that you're going to be engaging with people who are discouraged, right? That's what encourage, if you're going to be an encourager, it means you're coming around people who are going through some tough stuff in their life and you're there to kind of guide them, to help them up at some level. And so when they're discouraged, you're going to be looking to you for some level of direction, some level of guidance, some kind of advice. Have you ever had someone come to you before with a problem with discouragement in their life? They're saying, can you give me some advice? Be careful. Because when you're giving advice, what you're doing is you're giving guidance if a person is discouraged to a vulnerable person, and so because they're in a weakened place, they may take what you say and do it. And if you haven't given them good guidance, you've set them on the wrong pathway, and so many of us are struggling for guidance for our own life, right, okay? Okay. And now we're trying to help someone else. So my rule is this, unless I know for sure something is absolutely clear, I'm not going to give specific guidance to someone about what they ought to be doing with their life. Now, if something's very clear, if someone says to me, Pastor, I've got a really tough financial problem. I'm not sure I'm going to meet it. I'm so discouraged. I'm, so over, I'm just over my head in debt. and I'm thinking about robbing a bank. Well, of course, no, don't do that, right? Okay, it's a silly illustration, but again, anything that's clear from a moral standpoint or an ethical standpoint, you can give guidance, but don't play God in people's lives, amen? Don't play God in people's lives because you're trying to get your own life together, okay? And so what you're there again to do is to listen, to guide them carefully, to make sure that you're not pushing them down a pathway or toward a decision that may not be a wise decision for them in the midst of their vulnerable moment. Number seven. Number seven is to commit to people genuinely. Be committed to people. That encourages, encourages folks when they know that you're there for them. You know that you, if you have a lot of money and a lot of popularity, you'll also have a lot of friends right because anytime you're succeeding people want to be around you correct okay everything's going well in your life you got money you got popularity things are going good for you it's amazing how many people will show up in your world how many of you know that if you won the lottery tomorrow you get a lot of phone calls from lost relatives right long lost relatives oh how are you just wanted to check in on you no you didn't you want some money that's what you are okay It's amazing when everything's going well, how many people want to be around you, but when things get a little tough, what happens? It's amazing how many people walk out on you, walk away from you. It's been said, listen to this, a true friend is someone who walks in when everybody else walks out. A true friend is someone that walks in when everybody else walks out. It's called commitment, it's called loyalty. And loyalty and commitment in a relationship bring encouragement to you. Think about it in your own life. If you knew that you had two or three or four or five people that would be with you in your life, no matter whatever happened to you, they're with you. Does that bring encouragement to your soul? Of course it does. When you're that kind of person to someone else, it brings encouragement to them as well. Number eight, number eight communicate positively and regularly. Now, some of you are saying, well, that sounds like what you've already talked about. Well, yes, but I'm going to give you another angle on it. Communicate positively and regularly. Let me give you a quick communication lesson here, okay? Because we're talking about how to express the love of God through encouragement to other people. Here's a profound statement. Are you ready for this super amazing profound statement? Here you go. Communication is not communication unless it communicates right? Communication is not real communication unless it communicates, okay? I can be, a tr- be trying, attempting to say something to someone, but if they don't hear what I'm trying to say, okay, then what happened is miscommunication, okay? We missed the communication, okay? So communication doesn't happen unless there is communication. Unless what you're trying to communicate is transmitted. And so that's all communication is. It's taking a message from this side and moving it to this side. And so what encourages people is when there's genuine communication that happens. And communication happens at two levels. It happens in the level of content and the level of process. I don't want to get too technical with you, but this is important. How do you want to be more effective at loving other people? Do you? Okay. This is where where the rubber meets the road. Okay. So to love other people effectively, you have to communicate with them. You have to understand how to communicate. And so communication is not just what you say, but how you say what you say. Okay. A lot of relationships could be improved, not just by, by improving the content of what you say, but improving the process. I told you I loved you. How many times do I have to tell you I love you? I love you. Now, did I technically say I love you? Technically, what did I say? I love you, okay? But what was the process? Wasn't very good, was it? Did I say, honey, I just want you to know again, I really do love you. Is there a difference? Same words, different process. Clean up your room. Son, could you clean your room up? It's looking kind of messy right now. You're hearing the difference, okay? Now which has the greater capacity to communicate what needs to be communicated? Something that taps into the right tone, right? The right process, okay? because then it's packaged in such a way that you're making clear and you're also communi- communicating the tone that's associated with it. It's been said, and I don't know this for a fact, okay, you can do your own research on this. I've read different aspects of this. Somewhere between 85 and 95% of communication is not in the, effective communication is not in the content, it's in the process. It's how you say what you say. Think about your nonverbals. And those things, about 85 to 95% of what's being communicated is being communicated by your process more than by just the words that you say. And so learn to say things effectively. Think about process. Number 10, number 9 actually, help people practically. To help people practically means that you come alongside and you say, how can I help you? How can I assist you? How can I step in and carry a load that you're carrying? I can come home at night. My wife maybe has made a wonderful dinner. We share a great dinner together. And I can say, Honey, that was an amazing meal. That, that was awesome. I can praise her for it. I can say, Thank you so much for making this meal. And it just was, was, was really fantastic. Now get up and walk away from the table and go back into my world and leave her there with all the dirty dishes. Right? Or I can say to her, Honey, You know what, you made an amazing meal for me. Why don't you now take a break and let me clean up the kitchen for you? Let me help you. Now, after we get her off the floor, having called 911, okay, she will be greatly encouraged, right? Because I added something to that situation, didn't I? I added help, practical help. And it's amazing how many times you can come along a person, if you'll pay attention, People are struggling with stuff, right? Okay, and so you can come along, and you can't help with everything, but you can help with something sometimes. Now, remember this: you cannot help everybody. This message is not designed to tell you how to go out and try to fix the whole world. You can't fix the whole world. God does not want any of us to take on this boundary that has no bound, a boundaryless life. Okay, you can't. You gotta have some boundaries. Okay, so you can't fix everybody. Some people don't want to be fixed, okay? So you can, you can pour your whole soul into them and they're never going to get fixed because they don't want to be fixed, okay? Right? Anybody know some people like that? Okay. But God will bring the people into your world that will be those that He wants you to give special attention to. So you can't fix everybody, but you've got to look for the ones that God has assigned to your life and to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit for those assignments of helping people around you. Number 10 encourage potential enthusiastically I'm going to cover these very quickly Include, in, encourage enthusiast, potential enthusiast, enthusiastically what is potential? potential is unrealized ability in something or someone, okay, it's there but it hasn't been realized yet, it's underdeveloped and when you and I come and we see potential in another person and we draw it out by encouraging them to develop their potential, that word of encouragement to draw out potential can have just life-changing impact upon them. I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it were not for about three or four people I can look back on in my life at particular moments in my life actually encouraged my potential in this. You know, there are a lot of kids running around on the streets getting into bad things, and the reason they're doing that is because no one's given them a vision for their life. Okay? They're running around without a vision. Okay? And if somebody, they, they haven't had a dad speak a vision into their life, they haven't had uh, significant others speak a vision in their life, and if someone will come along and say, Son, I see something valuable in you. There's something in you. That you have some potential there. Young lady, I see some potential in you. There's that one word. Never underestimate the power of one word of potential. And I'll tell you something else. When you help somebody else succeed, don't, don't think that, you, that your success is lessened by someone else's success, okay? When you help somebody else succeed, you've succeeded, okay? I've been heard, I heard it said before that sometimes your best fruit grows on other people's trees, okay? But sometimes the best fruit of your life is not even going to be seen on your tree, but the best fruit of your life will be seen on somebody else's tree by something that you do with your life, amen? Okay? Is this helping anybody today? Okay? Number 11, pray for people intentionally and passionately. Pray, 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 pray. Carlos, come up here just for a second, will you? Right here. This is Carlos. Let's say, I'm um, giving you an illustration here. Let's say that Carlos, we have an interaction one day, and I find out Carlos is going through really tough times. So we talk about it, going through some tough stuff in his life. And so, but the more he talks about it, the more I realize I have no clue what to say to him. I'm like, I don't know how to help him. So I can say to him, when I, don't, when I realize I don't know how to help him, I say, yeah, Carlos, this is really bad. I have no idea what's going to happen to you. This is horrible. I don't think I've ever heard problems as bad as this before. I can say that because I don't know what to say. Or I can say, you think your problems are bad? Let me tell you mine. Right? You see the two different... Okay, (laughs) because I don't know what to say. Okay. All I can do is, I guess I better top his problem. Okay. (laughs) That's all I can do. Or I can say something like this. You know, Carlos... I really don't know what to say to you. And by the way, it's always better when you don't know what to say to someone to tell them, I don't know what to say. Don't give them some line, okay? You don't have to know what to say to everybody. Isn't that good to know? You don't, have to, you don't have to have the answer for everybody, okay? You're not God. Isn't that good to know, okay? And I can say, Carlos, I really don't know what to say to you. You're really going through some tough stuff, but one thing I know we can do, I can pray for you, okay? I can pray for you. Now, when I say I can pray for you, There's also an option there. I can say, Carlos, you know what? I can pray for I'll be praying for you. I'm gone. Here's the problem. I may intend to pray for Carlos. All good intentions, but what will potentially happen when I walk away from him? What happens to us? We forget, right? Okay, we don't remember. So the best thing I can do is to say, Carlos, right now, can I pray with you? okay. And to take just a few moments of prayer with Carlos and pray with him about his need. I, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to pray in some fancy way. You don't have to be loud. Oh, God, thouest goddess and heavenest. Okay? Okay? No, you don't have to do that, okay? You can just, in a natural way, Lord, I thank you for Carlos. I know he's going through a tough time right now. And I just want to agree with him in prayer that you're going to help him through this. I pray you give promise to him, encouragement to him. Lord, I'm standing with him in prayer today. We're believing for a breakthrough in this situation. I'm agreeing with him. I don't have to be super fancy about it. What have I done? I've taken the moment and I pray for him and I've left him with some level of encouragement. Amen? Thank you, Carlos. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Next thing. Number 12 instruct people kindly and redemptively. There will be times in your life that you're going to have to give people instructions. You're going to have to give correction. You're going to have to give guidance very specifically to people. And so when you do that, do it kindly, do it redemptively. Do it in a helpful way. Number 13, inspire people personally. What I mean by that is to, it kind of goes along with the potential idea to look at people as what they can be, to have an animating effect upon them. The word inspiration means breathed upon. And so... The idea is that you want to be someone that breathes life into people, that when you get around them, your whole mindset is how can I inspire? I'm not talking about just kind, some kind of a false emotional thing that you're building up in a person, but how can I inspire them to be the best they can be? And then, number 14, respond to mistakes and failures graciously. Anytime someone fails in your world, you know that they failed, and you have an opportunity to, to minister to them. What is the best way to minister to someone who's failed? I told you so that's horrible to step on their back and just crush them in is that a good way to minister to someone who's failed of course not okay what do you want when you failed when you've made a mistake what do you need in your life you don't need someone stepping on your back and driving it further in. you need someone that comes along and says you can you can come up from this what you want to do as an encourager is to help people around you fail forward not fail backwards but to fail forward because everybody's gonna fail from time to time but if you're going to encourage her, you help pick them up and move them forward. You don't keep putting their face in what they did in the past. You point them toward their future. Amen? Right? So you restore them gently. You help them move forward. And the last thing here is to give generously. What I mean by that is not about your material resources, but in all of these areas, in your words, in your praise, and all these things that you do, do it generously. Just pour out as much as you can. And I'll tell you this, the Bible said it, we read it last weekend in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That when you refresh other people, God will refresh you. Amen? So let's all make the choice. Which direction are we going? God says, I called you to be this. To be this, you've got to have this. You've got to have some skills. So use this as a checklist to start working on the skills of encouragement. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We're so grateful that you're speaking to us in a practical way about how to be more loving, how to be more encouraging to the people around us. We pray that you would help us to develop these skills so that they become real habits of our life by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.